Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. Welcome to Take Human Action PA episode 46. I'm Calvin. I'm your host. Uh, we have a very exciting guest with us today. Uh, before I get to that, I just want to make a note of a few, uh, not, it's not so much changes, just uh, things that we're going to be um, running with going forward so everyone knows what to expect. So every Thursday at 9 um, unless we have to make adjustments for one of our guests, um, we will be going live. So uh, if you want to catch us live, uh, drop a question for one of our guests, then uh, tune in Thursdays uh, at nine every Thursday on our YouTube, uh, as well as our Facebook. You can drop questions for us uh, in either place. Um, you can also uh, catch it on Twitter as well, or after the fact, uh, you can uh, go back to any of those places to rewatch if you want the video, or you can go to our podcatcher as well. Um, just look up uh, Take Human Action PA podcast. Uh, we have it on there now as well. It's a relatively uh, recent edition. Um, oh yeah, and don't forget to uh, subscribe wherever it is that you're viewing. So uh, follow our Facebook page, subscribe to YouTube, and uh, making sure that you're following us on Twitter and catch us on all our podcatchers as well. Uh, and we have a few exciting guests uh, coming up in the next few weeks. You definitely uh, don't want to miss them. So uh, with all that said, I will go to our guest. So uh, he is uh, let's see, a veteran who focuses on post-traumatic stress recovery. Uh, he's also a writer, political activist, uh, firm believer in nullification, uh, member of the uh, Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania's Public Policy Committee, and he is running for office in Straven Township, Adams County, uh, specifically for township supervisor and auditor. Uh, let's give it up for Caleb Shreve. How are you doing, Caleb? Good, Kellen. How you doing? Good. Uh, it's good to have you on. Uh, we've been uh, planning this out for a little while now, so I'm glad I uh, finally uh, got you to come on. Uh, appreciate the uh, invite. Thank you. Yeah, great. Uh, so uh, before we get into 
what you're doing now. I have a, I have a feeling at least a good portion of our audience is uh, at least somewhat familiar with uh, what goes on with local politics. But um, why don't you tell us uh, how you got started, like how you got interested in politics and ideas of liberty in the first place? Uh, officially with the Libertarian Party, it was, I'd say, probably right around COVID, like a lot of people. Um, really drew me into the party. Prior to that, uh, was a in the army i did a tour in afghanistan 2011 so towards the end of that i started to develop those um you know libertarian opinions in a way and eventually just over time grew into them uh, but getting involved in the party wise i think the biggest thing was my interest in legislation and how that works uh, about two years ago i came to the party and was became a member of what they had uh, legislative action committee at that time and that committee would review legislation at the state level would decide if it was something worth endorsing pick it apart a little bit pull out the bad make the general public aware of it now that committee's changed i currently chair the committee it is called the public policy committee we've taken on a little additional responsibility where we are going to start focusing on more of the local level legislations and not specifically just state uh, we see this could be a good opportunity for the liberty movement to take and kind of use the way the nation was founded of the consent of the governed and bring it back to the local level uh, one of those positions is township supervisor which i'm running for and we'll talk a little bit more about that later but that is your local level legislator um, so that's a good opportunity for us to use positions like that to enhance the liberty movement in our own communities. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, that's uh it definitely seems like uh when you did get involved, um you jumped in uh head first, so to speak. A little bit. Yeah. So uh what year was it that you first joined again? I believe it was it was at the Joe Jorgensen uh campaign is when i officially joined and became a dues paying member of the party uh, okay okay gotcha uh so uh one thing i'm wondering about going back to uh your days uh when you uh were in the uh in the service so was there something at either at the time or in retrospect that um you know some an experience or just something you noticed that really struck you um and kind of uh reinforced the uh liberty beliefs that you have now i would say probably the the most forefront thought that i would bring up during my time in service was when i was in afghanistan i was a 31 bravo which is a military police officer our responsibilities were to uh hold detainees that were captured uh captured taliban uh, Al-Qaeda, anything along that time that was considered an insurgent against us, that even included children. And I think that's what stands the strongest with me is seeing how our interactions abroad have made such negative impacts in those kids' lives. For somebody so innocent to be involved in that, it, it makes you question our sincerities and our our foreign policies and uh 
when you really, really think about it, you, you start to realize that maybe we have other interests and those kids are suffering because of our own choices. Yeah, as they've, I mean, some of them may have only lived there or been alive while the U.S. was in their country. Correct. So that's what they would know. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Wow. Uh, so uh, what are some initiatives that have uh, been worked on in the committee, uh, either like the predecessor uh, committee or the current uh, public policy and committee? What are some initiatives that uh, you've worked on or in the middle of right now? Just give us a few examples there. Uh, one of the most uh, known ones is the Defend the Guard. Uh, been continuously outreaching to uh, local level or state level legislators, senators uh, to endorse some legislation for that. Uh, the purpose of that legislation is to enforce the uh, the Constitution and have Congress declare war and not necessarily give, not necessarily give the executive branch full reign over state national guards. So it's kind of more of an accountability check for the Fed and uh, also kind of keeps state budgets and money spent here, you know, in check too. So there's a, a few good things, but also, you know, makes us think about what conflicts we are entering before committing troops to them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, we have the uh, Food Freedom Act, too. Uh, that's one thing that's kind of newer. Uh, more states are trying to pick this up. With that, you know, we would want to get local level legislators to pass these bills that are protecting people's private property rights, essentially, when it comes to agriculture and uh, livestock. I'd say probably the best case is locally to us in Adams County. We had a township that was looking to restrict people from owning livestock with less than five acres and things like that. And a lot of these farmers that have grew up in this area know that you can successfully do it with proper care. They've been doing it for generations on generations. And they went into their township when they heard about this legislation and kind of stood up against it and said, no, you, you can't do this. They kind of brought that accountability. And I think that's what this movement, this food freedom movement's about is to bring accountability back to the local offices and kind of set in place that we're going to protect farmers and people who choose to homestead in our county. Interesting. Uh, so uh, how exactly are you uh, advancing uh, those initiatives? Is it, does it take the form of like lobbying at the uh, state house or, or what is it? So the food freedom, we're going to push more local than anything. Okay. Uh, we've seen it successfully uh, happen before where they just passed local level legislation saying we aren't going to enforce any more regulations on private property use for agriculture. Uh, they will lift zoning regulations that may prohibit somebody from having fruit trees, things like that. That's kind of the goal is to reach out to the communities that are negatively impacted by these pieces of legislation, uh, rewrite those zoning ordinances, have them lobby their township supervisors, and then introduce them and, and pass them. That's the end goal. Okay. Uh, so where would you say um, this has had the the most impact or where you might have gotten the furthest as far as uh, pushing those initiatives along? Uh, right now, I would say probably 
I would probably say Berwick Township, the one that I was just mentioning, the community is going that direction where they are looking into the idea of restricting or reining in their township supervisors to be more open to local level farms and homesteads. Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue that um, I, well, I keep see coming up as well, because even though I'm not, I'm not in that part of the state, but Lancaster County, particularly with the Amish farmers, that comes up again and again and again. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like uh, any of the established parties are really taking a stand on that at, at all. This is a big opening that we can uh, work our way into. And that's one thing I, I don't quite understand is why certain parties aren't backing something like this or this idea, especially candidates from major parties out there that are talking about inflation and food costs and want to point fingers and everything like that. But then we'll turn the blind eye on positive legislation like this, which, you know, puts food on people's tables. Yeah. It, it also gives people responsibility and education too to how to take care of themselves and to take care of people around me like i have a i have a peach tree in my backyard i produce buckets of peaches off of one tree every season i let my neighbors come and pick for free i take care of it it's like just something that a community should have post world war ii they were even talking about it. You know, it was considered a victory garden. The communities would have these gardens. They would share and trade and do things amongst themselves, and it would build these communities up. Yeah, 100 um, percent. I can attest to that because another a fellow member of the uh, Bucks County group um, has a peach tree himself. And I still I had to freeze um half the peaches he gave me i was making like peach smoothies every day for like two mm -hmm. weeks i still couldn't use them all <laughs> we can't get Our rid of them fast enough. yeah yep. Yep. it's insane i i could not I, I i mean and i don't know how many he had he probably had a ton more than i did i guarantee it <laughs> wow. okay yeah i mean i've yeah i've been working on that myself for sure trying to get like my own garden in the backyard but yeah that's it, it's invaluable and yet they're making it as difficult for us as they possibly can. I mean, some of like the, some people actually want to restrict it, but the, the others, they just have never thought this might actually be a way to reduce food costs. It just doesn't mm -hmm. seem to occur to them. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Even as, even in my college years, um, I remember uh, it wasn't in, in like a big city they were talking, but they were still talking about like, um you know changing the rules so that people could have chickens in their yard at the time it, i was just scratching my head as i was wondering why people would spend time on that but how it makes so much more sense <laughs> yeah there's a lot of places here around these areas that you can't have chickens that's zoned you know residential mm -hmm. and livestock just chickens is considered an issue and, right. and that's one thing you know chickens don't need a lot of space i mean mm -hmm. most developments have the sufficient yardage for them to for three chickens, which is all you would need for a small family. And, right. Um, we need to change that for a lot of people. I think, I think people, as soon as they start realizing that they, they could put food on their table with a little bit of education and such are going to start catching on that they want to do this. And it's kind of evident when you get on like social media and you start seeing these prepper groups, well, they've been around for a while, but these homesteading groups becoming more popular and these homesteading projects mm -hmm. and, you see the videos and things like that you know people will catch on that 
at one point the legislation that's in place right that's preventing them from doing this stuff is not there to benefit them in the end yeah and and families used to have their own cows too that's how they would get fresh milk before refrigeration mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, they would even take them in in cities, which wasn't you know, probably wasn't the best idea for other reasons. But like that was just the only option they had. So yeah, that that led to some issues, but um, <laughs> they eventually figured it out. That's when pasteurization really became a big thing. I don't think yeah. pasteurization personally is the best choice for some people, but uh, it was when they started taking cattle into the cities that they learned that the the bacterias were thriving a lot more and they had to do some little science to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But since then they've just used it as an excuse to say that everything needs to be pasteurized. And that's a, that's a whole nother part of the problem, but yeah. 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 Um, we, we don't need to go there tonight. But yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, well, this is just and, scratching the surface of why food freedom is important. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Food freedom extends to milk. And, and there are states like Virginia that was trying to pass the goat milk legislation, you know, where they would allow you to sell goat milk in, in farmer's markets. I think you should be able to. Uh, I know people that make soap out of goat milk. Like that should be, if you want to make your own soap free of chemicals, then... Goat milk is one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, I've I've never tried it, but I believe it. Yep. All right, so um, I want to go back to uh, defend the guard for a minute, though. So, sure. Um, what? So, what? What are some things that have been done with uh, defend the guard recently? Uh, most recently, uh, Dan McKnight uh, has met with uh, a state rep has discussed it with them uh there's some interest i don't have any commitments yet for that uh and then we had two state reps just recently show interest in setting up calls with them too so the way we're looking at it right now is three state reps have moved forward with um the interest of co-sponsoring or sponsoring the legislation and the defend the guard um, committee sees pennsylvania as a two and to introduce state now um, versus before there was no interest. Uh, we just recently had a whole bunch of letters go out about two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago to all the legislators. And so far we have the three that we've talked to. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about it in the past on a few different episodes of this show. Um, don't remember offhand when the last one was, but for anyone who hasn't seen them, or doesn't know what it is, um, can you uh, give them a, a brief definition of, of what Defend the Guard does? Yeah, Defend the Guard, state-level legislation. The Constitution says that uh, Congress has the only authority to declare war. Um, since roughly the early 2000s, the executive branch has used authorization to use some military force, which is they call it AUMF. It's a way to circumvent that, to say we're not declaring war, we're keeping the peace, um, or we're policing the world up, doing humanitarian things. Whatever words they want to slap on it, an invasion of another country, I don't know. But uh, this is a way to say, no, the, the AM, AUMFs are no longer going to happen for National Guard. Uh, yeah. it, it makes the governor kind of stand up and say no. Congress needs to come back, represent us, and then say, release the guard, and then we will. Yeah. So it basically handicaps the ability 
of the federal government to send National Guard troops in undeclared wars all across the world, which seems to be happening nonstop right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't use I wouldn't say handicap. I would I would think the best term for it is is we we restrict the executive branch from abusing its power. The, the federal government, Congress still has its authority that it's always had, um, but it's making them do their job and saying to the president, you don't have the king's authority. That's that's what it was originally decided on back when the Constitution was written is they didn't want a king to just go out and declare because right. conquering nations and things like that. Yeah, and that makes sense given how this country started. <laughs> Definitely yeah. don't want one person making those kind of decisions. Uh, and yet that's where it seems we are now. Oh, man. Well, that's a whole other subject. So um, let's let, before we get into the, uh, the races themselves, uh, why don't we talk about... Um, the county you're in. So uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Adams County and the uh, the Libertarian Party there. Well, Adams County is a, a really historical county. It's most known for Gettysburg, the Battle of Gettysburg during mm -hmm. the American Civil War. Um, but not only that, we've had history that traces back to times of the dinosaurs. There's fossil prints on the battlefield, things like that. Hmm. Uh, wow. we, we have a lot of history and we are a very pro-farm agricultural blended community. A lot of apple orchards, peach orchards, that's what we're known for. Um, we have apple harvest in the fall, things like that. You know, you have your volunteer fire departments. So you have that very sm small town vibe all spread out through Adams County. There's just all these little communities and they all are, are unique to themselves. Um, so that's the history of the county uh, for the Libertarian Party. We're slowly growing. It was just about two, two and a half years ago that the Adams County affiliate became its own affiliate. They were once a regional affiliate it was spread out between Franklin and Adams County. Uh, we now have enough members to hold a quorum by ourselves. We've done a few events, including Snacktown in Hanover. Uh, we've partnered with York County for that. We've done parades here in Gettysburg, handed out candy to the kids for Halloween last year, and just uh, worked with our local level candidates, uh, our state rep candidate that we had the last election, Neil, uh, for state representative, and everybody else. And going from there, slowly growing, but hopefully in the next year or so that we'll be somewhere where we're, we're making a good impact. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, our resident, uh, probably party, like for the whole state party historian, uh, Allison, uh, mm -hmm. once, uh, told me that your County is the only County in probably the whole state other than Philadelphia that could compete with bucks for the most historic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. Of it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Allison in a while. I have to, Allison comes down here next time. I'll have to take her to our local. We, uh, we have a historical society right outside of Gettysburg. that just opened up. Oh yeah. And it's got artifacts that go the whole way back. I mean, they have a Megalodon tooth that was found, about 30 miles west of Gettysburg 
um, on a farm. They have stories of the French and Indian War, people that were kidnapped that were local to this. Like the history goes deep. So <laughs> I, yeah. I'm willing to challenge Allison on that. that yeah, I, I mean, I'd be curious to see that stuff myself. But um, uh, in case you are not familiar, the, the audience probably doesn't know. Uh, but Bucks County is in, you know, in Pennsylvania is where um, Washington had his encampment um, and then uh, left to cross the Delaware over to uh, Trenton to defeat the Hessians on that uh, famous winter crossing. It's a more immorialized, whatever the word is, <laughs> in the paintings and uh, statues and sculptures everywhere. <laughs> so I got the I got the awesome chance to come up to the uh, last December's memorial of that and watch them oh, yeah. cross the boats yeah oh yeah on christmas or one of the other ones uh they did they did the pre one just two weeks prior yep right right okay oh i, I live like five minutes from there <laughs> yeah it, it was really oh, neat. Yeah, that's cool i think it's gonna be a yearly occurrence for us all right right on uh yeah well um yeah next time you're around let me know um, oh, well. I, I actually haven't gone yet. <laughs> I okay. figured there wasn't a rush. Um, but uh, yeah, because a lot of times I'm traveling around the holidays anyway. But yeah, right. let me know. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll uh, meet up if I'm around. Awesome. All right, cool. Uh, so um, what else? Okay, so we're coming in from the background of, uh, well, it is a relatively rural county, I assume, right? It's it's got its mix. Okay. Yep. Gettysburg has its own nice big area, and then after mm -hmm. you get out of Gettysburg, it's smaller towns and a lot right. of farmland. So, yep. Yeah, relatively small town feel, and then uh, in the midst of all this, um, you decided to make uh, well, I don't know if I should call it run or runs uh, for office. So, uh, yeah. what what uh, motivated you uh, to get into that? Actually, it was the food, the food freedom thing. Um, okay. I myself, you know, the peach tree was kind of a start years ago and little gardens here and there, but I really want to expand on that. I've uh, spoke with a few neighbors. I, some neighbors have some chickens that were kind of bordering the town of Gettysburg and there there's talks of eventually there could be some restrictions and things like that as more developments get built. And uh, I think preserving people's property rights is going to be paramount over the next couple of years, supervisors, a six year term. Um, so if anything, somebody, the, the next person could be deciding the fate of property owners as fast as these towns are expanding. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, now that you started getting into it, uh, so let's clarify it's, uh, state or sorry, township supervisor and township auditor. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. So, um, why don't you describe what uh, a township supervisor does, and then you can do the same for auditor. Okay. Yeah. The, the towns, the township supervisor is your legislator. Uh, that's the person that's deciding on your zoning regulations, um, how the tax money spent for the township that's collected, uh, services offered by the township, deciding contracts for water services, electric, things like that. So essentially, that's the, the decision makers of your local government. Um, as for auditor, they are more responsible for looking to see if 
the township spending its money properly and recording that information correctly. So if they, the township has a project and they say it costs this much money and that's how much they spent, the auditor can say, hey, show me the receipts. Let's see where you spent it, how much was you spent, things like that. That's the responsibility to make sure that everything is, is in order. Okay. Uh, so for the supervisor, does that mean, um, well, I guess, I guess in both cases, actually, would you be the only person in the township who's doing those jobs? No, there's three township supervisors. Um, I'm running for the one. So there would still be two other people. Um, It kind of provides a little bit of a balance to that. And then auditor, it would be a single position. Okay, but there's only one uh, auditor, correct? Correct. Okay. All right. So do they alternate um, the years of who uh, or which supervisors are for election? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, and even some townships have six year and four year terms. Um, right. And auditors can also be different terms too, depending on the needs. What would it be in your case? Uh, six and I believe township or auditors four, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, are you in a, a Republican dominated area then? Uh, yeah. So Adams County is pretty much Republican in the city in Gettysburg. It it goes more Democrat in my own township. I sit on the Democrat side, but as you get farther away from where I live and deeper into the township, it it leans more Republican. Okay. So it's kind of, so in terms of who's actually elected the local offices, it's kind of split. Yeah. Um, right now though, the one I'm running against is an incumbent and he, pretty sure he's the Republican that I'm running against oh, okay. for that, for the township supervisor position. Any idea if the Democrats are running anyone? Hmm. Yes. The last list that's come out. No, there were, I did not see any Democrat uh, candidates. I saw two Republican candidates, but then we have primaries coming up. So we'll see what happens with that. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, do you think you can leverage the, uh, the food freedom issue to get the support of uh some of the Democrats, I don't know how they, I don't know how they feel about that in general when it comes to local politics, but maybe there's an avenue there. I, I think, I think my best bet with that side of things is to focus on the accountability of money spent. Um, mm. That's one thing that I've gotten from my neighbors to majority of them would lean Democrat. Um, they see the township kind of sweep the streets, things like that when they're not in in bad shape and start to wonder, or, you know, we spend the money on something that we shouldn't. Um, there's some accountability questions that they have about current supervisors. Are they making good decisions? Um, so I think I would probably win them. Over. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. That way, Republicans would go with more with the food freedom. Um, That's right now, actually, if I go up the street, there's more of the farms. Those are Republicans that are you know, interested in that. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, there's might still be an opening if you're, that is not something that your opponent is focusing on or has spent any time on. And I don't, I don't know if this is their first term or not, but still, if they've had six years at a certain point and they've shown no incentive or initiative to go in that direction, then, you know, they don't have any credibility at that point. I'll tell you a a township meeting goes something like this. They gavel in, they read over what the you know numbers are, the minutes from the last month, they accept them, and then they say, We have five, four, six, seven, how many pieces of zoning ordinance that we want to change? And then they read them off and they say, I for vote for yes and you know, nay for no, and then they vote it in. And it's a fifteen minute meeting, gavel out. So it's, it's this, it's a very, you, it makes you wonder if the public knows what's getting passed, if they know what they're passing. Um, so I think that's another yeah. thing that we're going to have to focus on too, is just the accountability in the meetings too. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like uh, people really know what's going on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and actually it, it's funny. I watched a live broadcast from our local GOP, uh, county GOP, the other day. They were introducing some of their township candidates for other townships, but uh, they were talking, somebody was in the comments talking about Straban Township, and they were talking about the solar fields. They're talking about adding this major solar field, probably about five, ten minutes from me, and how the the township hasn't been open in communicating what's going to happen with the land, what happens with the land once the solar company's done with it, because the solar company's already made comments about how if they don't have a success in it within so many years, they're going to sell the land, but then the land's rezoned and they're saying it have 20 years before it can be refarmed. So that's another thing that I want to pay attention to is that everybody, regardless, you know, knows what's going on and what's going to happen with this the solar farm mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> yeah it makes me wonder like how did that even come about in the first place is just like how much money was poured into that and mm-hmm. where is it all going mm-hmm. right <sighs> 
Yeah, because like if it was actually voted on, like, do we want to do this or not? I, I wonder how many people would actually said like, if, if they actually had to like hand over the money to do it, if they voted yes, then would they have still done it? Right. Yeah, people are people were asking, you know, like, is how is this going to affect them? Where's the power going? Is it coming to the community or is it going to a city? Um, mm -hmm. Which is kind of common. They put these farms and these rural things, but then the power goes into like Philly, Pittsburgh, Harrisburg. Um, so, you know, and they're not getting the answers that they want. And I think maybe somebody should really focus on that here soon. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So let's say, uh, you are elected uh as township uh supervisor so it would be you and is it one republican and democrat at that point or who who's left in there i to be honest i don't know what the third guy is because he hasn't been at the meetings that i've been at so i haven't had the chance to to feel him out and i don't recall his name okay but it would be uh, me and another republican as far as i'm aware okay so either way, uh, it sounds like you've already been talking with them. So you might have started to make some inroads there. How do you think the dynamic would be with a libertarian in one of the seats? Uh, that's hard to say, to be honest. I, I want to go in there with the intentions of doing what a libertarian wants to do. Um, I think taxes are obviously a a thing that wants to be addressed. I pay them in my township. I'd like to see them go down also. I know that our township supervisor, according to the ordinance, gets a 5%, or not township supervisor, the township tax collector gets a 5% commission when they hit $80,000 collected in tax. I don't think commission's a, uh, a really good term or a way to be paying somebody to take money from somebody else. Um, so that's something that I would first want to introduce, and I have a feeling that that's going to Put a bad taste in a few people's mouths so but i'm prepared for that if i win and that happens then that's just how it's going to be i'm going to have to work through it we're going to have to come to an agreement um but, but yeah. it's up to the voter honestly if the voter wants that then vote for me but if they don't if you, if you want yeah. to continue to pay what you pay and you want that person to get that and you think that your services that are offered you by your local government are good then don't vote for me Right. But, yeah, and I'll and we'll come back to the campaign itself in a minute. But in in this sense, at least, like if you did come in, then you'd be riding a wave of public support at that point. And if that public support materializes to like people showing up at the meetings, expressing support for the proposals that you're putting forward, like you rally people ahead of time to the point that it's like the room is crowded with people are all supporting this like next food freedom proposal or something mm -hmm. are they really going to say no to, to that at that point i i don't think so i it would be dumb uh -huh. if, if they did you know, yeah it's i think people when people should be responsible for their local liberty and i think if they want to see change they should be willing to show up um that's why i want to show up for it and if somebody wants to vote for me to, to to make those changes and then want to show up and support me for it, that's great. That's that's how communities work together. Uh, my saying is liberty's local, so we can make it work. Yeah, 
And I, and I do want to clarify for a minute, as we mentioned earlier, um, that you were running for supervisor and auditor. So, mm -hmm. um, that's because of the uh, stacked petitions um, that allows you to put your name in for more than one position, right? Yep. Yeah. So I can run for multiple positions as long as I collect the required signatures from the state. And then depending on if I would win, it would be, you know, like if I would win township and an auditor, I would take township, you know, and then at that point they would have to either hold a special election or nominate or along the lines of that. If somebody runs, um, it also depends on, you know, if I went auditor, it, it's hard to say, you know, I can okay. make choices then too. So. Right. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you give the same answer for auditor? Like what would, what would you be, be able to do as auditor? I, I think that is just more public awareness of on how their, their tax money spent. So I would, I would take the opportunity to sit down and review everything. Um, anything that is spent, I would like to see the receipts for, I would like to see the accountability because it's, it's my money too. It's it just like my neighbors, you know, I want to make sure that if we are going to have to spend this money, that it goes to the right place and for the right purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so now uh, let's come back to the, the campaign, the fun part. <laughs> so, uh, what events uh, have you done as, as a part of that um, up to this point, or do you have planned uh, sometime in the future to like, get yourself out there? Haven't done any events yet. Uh, we were waiting until we get closer. Uh, we got our petitions and everything just recently. Uh, we had to make some changes to mine because I did do the stack. Um, so we're in the process of getting that redone. Uh, I'll be out on primary day at the Strabant Township polling place, collecting my signatures to get on the ballot since we aren't in the primaries. And then after that, I would be uh, door knocking and driving around the community and talking to, to people as I see them. Um, I like to walk in my development that I live in. So I see my neighbors quite a bit. So I'll be talking to all of them too, as I, I go by and, and really, honestly, I don't, I'm not going to ask for people to vote for me. I, uh, I want to hear what people have concerns about. And I want, to have, I want to know what people like and why they want to stay in Strabane Township. I really think that townships should look into retention of people that live, you know, in their communities. They should see what scares people off and make changes that would want to keep people's families growing and things like that. So uh, it's more of a way just to go out and know people and make a positive change um, in that community because it's a part of mine too yeah it's it's a good point uh like listening does if you if, i mean if you just even just go to their door and listen that's like already 10 times more than most of the old party candidates will ever do while campaigning or in office like with themselves personally at least you know they might send other people to do it but they're they're not really going to do it themselves <laughs> you just don't see that oh <clears throat> so um how many signatures do you need by the way township supervisors 18 um it's less for the auditor so once i get those 18 i'm like, good but there's one eight that's it 
Yep, one eight. Wow. Okay. So That's it's like a percentage it. of the highest collected for that. So really in an off year election like this, not there's a lot of voters don't go out. So I get lucky right. with that that I only have to get a few signatures. Um obviously for reasons of you know other parties liking to get people kicked off the ballot i want to collect a good cushion on top of that so that if they get contested and the state decides to mark a few off that i still yeah. hold my my position right, um, we, right a lot of people ran into that last election so it's something that i'm going to take the yeah. opportunity to fix I'm, I'm used to helping out with philadelphia so even the local races are just an absurdly high number so right. <laughs> eight, 18 feels like a walk in the park <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a walk in the park honestly wow. like primary day I, I will have my required signatures probably within the first hour or two wow. um, we, yeah. I've, I've helped candidates i collect signatures before we we could do local events and you could let 30 some a person in an hour or so, you know, so that, that's not bad. Yeah, you figure you walk, you talk five, 10 minutes, you walk five, 10 minutes, you get turned down a few times, but you'll, you'll get them. Yeah. Uh, so it, it looks like uh, you will be receiving a uh, Mises caucus endorsement. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, trying to, trying to think where, uh, so Along with that does come some uh, you know, resources from the National Caucus as well as uh, some funding for your campaign as well. So uh, how do you think that uh, you can take advantage of that um, once it comes in? Uh, I really I just want to use it to spread the word. Uh, I've been active with the caucus for quite a while. Um, I'd say a couple of years. I was a organizer for a little bit uh county organizer i've done helped with a little bit of social media in the past but really here is kind of more increasing the brand especially the decentralized government movement uh, i think right. that's something that we should really be hammering on is because you know i think that down the road the biggest changes we can make will be at the local level so decentralized fits that perfectly uh, uh -huh you know for freedom cells essentially you know townships right. counties boroughs things like that uh so putting that name out there to people that see me run see me get endorsed for that that have an interest in running down the road can see that you know maybe reach out to mises caucus let's talk and uh yeah let's let's see if we can work together that might not be a bad idea though reaching out to i don't know if freedom cells is in your area uh, trying to get in touch with them because you know if if they see your platform i can't imagine that the people in there wouldn't support you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think i think most people that want that own property that pay for their property want to be able to actually have to say what's going on on their property so yeah. if you if you agree with that then you can agree with me mm -hmm. all right uh so uh, are there some other groups that are operating in your area that you think would be supportive of your campaign or that you might um, go talk to um, as you're running along? Uh, there are some local volunteer organizations and things like that. So when it comes to politics, it's a little bit hard to get endorsements uh -huh. that way. That's really what I would want to work with anyways. I don't 
I don't plan on taking a salary if I would get elected for the township supervisor. Um, it's not a lot of money anyways, but I want to, I'm going to take that and I'm going to reinvest it into the community regardless. Uh, we have an organization that's, it's not in Strabane Township, but it is Gettysburg. It's uh, focused on the whole county. And I think that's where it makes the most importance. Uh, it's, it's called SCAP, South Central you know, Community Action. They help people low income, put food on people's tables that have kids and they can't afford it. Um, so they do food drives, things like that. We also have United Way down here. Um, so I, those funds are going to go into things like that. And I'm going to make it open to the public. If I get elected, you're going to see the receipt. You're going to see the donation. You're going to see my pay stuff. It's going to go, go. It's, it's gone. Um, I think that if somebody's going to pay me the tax money to represent them, I'm going to represent them because it's, you know, it's in their interest. It's in my interest. I'm going to show up. And I also want to contribute back to the same people that, that just decide that I'm in there for that. Well, now that you mentioned it, you raise an interesting point. So uh, I think you kind of hinted at it when you talked about the length of the meetings, but um, how much actual work is it per week? I assume it's not full time, right? No, it's not a full time job. Uh, I mean, you're talking two meetings a month at most um, that are really required. The the stuff on the side is I think some of the some of them show up a little bit earlier but they have zoning officers that are full-time. They do have full-time staff that work on this kind of stuff and enforce it. The, the decision makers are more the the part-time job. Really, the, it's a part-time decision-making job. It's a full-time representation job. So really, if you're a township supervisor and you're not in a meeting outside of that, it, when you're in your community, you're a public, you're a public official. So your job is to, to pass the public and talk to them. So, um, you know, getting out there and having these conversations with everybody is something that we should be doing. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I got cut out for a minute for some no, you're reason. All right. Uh, yeah, so that makes sense. And I, uh, is auditor similar then? Auditor is more just book review. So there's not really a whole lot of, of public interaction. and. I think that there should be. I think it may be, you know, ease of access to that information regarding budgets and things like that. So if I was put in the position of auditor, I would be exploring that option of how can we how can we make our budget more accessible to the community, especially those that don't use technology like mm -hmm. the most townships now are using websites and sometimes throw up Facebook notifications. Not everybody wants that. You know, um, some people have emails. Maybe we can organize something with that. I don't know. But that's an option that I do want to explore is, is transparency on our funds. Yeah. Yeah, that's important because at this point you've got, I mean, everybody in PA pretty much. It's only recently I learned it wasn't, it wasn't going to be like this in every state necessarily, but we've got the federal taxes, state taxes, and local taxes. Like I, I think it was in Delaware, I was talking with someone, a lot of it, and if not all of it, just about is unincorporated. So you don't, it's not really local taxes per se, at least I don't think 
there is. Um, so, well, I mean, we already know there's no sales tax. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you kind of wonder at a certain point. I, um, I've, I've never actually, I've never actually looked side to side, like, oh, what's my um, property tax uh, that I'm paying? Like, how does that compare exactly to um, the, you know, the income tax that I'm paying, but it's not insignificant. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I'll think about mine. Yeah. It's, it's still, it's still a lot either way. Think about mm-hmm. it. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Send really that fair. money a little more responsibly. <laughs> yeah. And it's like part of it go, is the school tax and I'm not even using the school. So. Right. Yeah. That, that's a big thing all over the state. I think a lot of people were hoping that at some point the, either the Senate or at least the house would do something to kind of get rid of property tax, going to school tax for seniors and things like that. Honestly, I really think that property tax should be gotten rid of completely. It's just the state yeah. mismanaging those funds to begin with. So, yeah. Then every time they do a reassessment, it's just an excuse for them to raise property taxes. Right. You shouldn't have to pay for something you own. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I try to tell people, often you know the the public that i do interact with about libertarian ideals or just politics in general it's just like you know you i like talking to people that have chickens you know i'm like you're paying the government for for permission to put food on your table like yeah and when you really think about it it's like oh i am i don't like that so yeah it starts there you don't even own it at that point you don't own the land if you have to like pay rent to someone for it which is essentially what you're doing as township supervisor if you own something my goal is to protect that right that you own it so if yeah i i don't know this is one thing that i'd like to see down the road it, you know we talk about nullification and stuff we mentioned at the beginning nullification is essentially telling higher forms of government that they don't have the authority to dictate how you live your life um and you know when the declaration of independence was done and the constitution was formed the founding fathers were talking about creating this government they they've said time and time again that you know government derives its power from the consent of the people and it doesn't say a thousand people it doesn't say a state of people you know it doesn't say a region of a country it it says consent of the people and i think that includes down to the smallest communities that there are that if a small community says that the state is oppressive or that the federal government's oppressive, they can say, we're not paying for that. We're not, we're not going to let you enforce that act and yeah. could write that local level legislation and nullify the, you know, the fed or the, the state and defend what they have on the, you know, on their own ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing to, and this part of the conversation on, I do want to ask you one fun question for your wrap sure. up. Um, so if myself or anyone listening has one day to spend in Gettysburg, what should they do? And I don't mean just like go to the park. I mean, like uh, you can get a little more specific than that. Just this is like, are there places in town you like to go to eat or specific spots on the battlefield that you like or something we may not be thinking of just anything like that. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I would say food-wise, there's a place, uh, they call it Steinware Avenue, uh, is the road, and there's a little green shop there called Hunt's Battlefield Fries. So anybody who likes boardwalk-style fries with, you know, potatoes that are fried in the peanut oil and in the big buckets, that's the place to stop nice. before you go out on the battlefield. Uh, battlefield has a lot of great stuff. I did a lot of reenacting growing up. I spent a lot of time on that battlefield. I could take you to a million different places. Everybody knows Devil's Den, uh, but there's one place right near Devil's Den that's in the woods. It's a smaller version of that. A lot of people don't see that because it's so hidden. So if you're ever around Devil's Den, look for a little trail that crosses over the creek, head into the woods, and you'll see Devil's Den in the woods. It's it's a cool little spot. So. Nice. Uh, check that out and then obviously the uh the new historical society museum anybody who has an interest in history want to learn about adams county history that's the place to stop they also do have a research room on the second floor for their members and stuff so if right. you are a history buff and you want to get a membership support a local community that's the way to do it yeah well uh since you mentioned the local artifacts of the display case i feel obligated to mention that um not not every month but uh this particular month and we've done a couple times in the past we'll probably do it again in the future um libertarian party of bucks county has been meeting um at the uh continental uh tavern uh in yardley and the reason that's important is because um it wasn't always open as a tavern but the first time this place was open as a tavern um was uh i, I want to say the 1760s or the early 1770s before the revolution even happened so it, it okay. goes back that far and you know the town itself went through a whole lot of phases so but it was basically a tavern and a hotel um throughout like the early 1800s and even into like the early 1900s so went through all the phases of like being a revolutionary town um a place like where that was a stop on the underground railroad uh to like literally people would be drinking down there and throwing their prohibition bottles <laughs> in the basement where no one would find it they i mean we saw a whole documentary on this they even found like a um a gun and a bloody corset and then one or two other suspicious things um wow. hidden behind bricks in the wall wow. like so so presumably someone who was covering up a murder or something but it was like over 100 years old so there's no way of figuring it all out but mm -hmm. it's very suspicious the whole thing so uh recently only recently because it was opened as a store and then opened as a tavern like within the past 10-ish years i want to say okay. um so they reopened it as a tavern after being something else. And only then did they start digging up the basement and they found all this stuff. Oh, wow. So they, they even Very found stuff from like Europe, like souvenirs or bottles or stuff that people, you know, presumably like they traveled to Europe in the late 1800s and brought it back as souvenirs. Then they got left down there somehow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so oh, they're wow. like finding things from all different eras of American history. And it's all right. on display in the cabinets. And they even showed us the documentary and we're letting people into the basement where they're still doing um, archeological digs. 
basically wow. there's even like tunnels that i assume were parts of the underground railroad that go to That's people's crazy. houses like fame like like large houses that were um opened and owned by prominent families at the time like they're private residences now so they had to like board off the tunnels mm -hmm. um but or something but um supposedly people who grew up in the area in like the 1950s and 60s would just like play in the tunnels and eventually people use it to break into those houses so they that's they had to cover it up but before that people were just wow. like sneaking around in them and stuff it's kind of crazy um they went to at least two different houses from there i think um and it's all right by the river too so the area like the delaware river so the area is gorgeous so um if you're inclined uh you can always come up to uh yardley for our, our next bucks county meeting okay okay yeah they're every uh second monday of the month so it's coming up in a few weeks on uh the eighth is the next okay. monday eighth okay all righty yeah so it's always a good time <laughs> sounds like it yeah so little shameless plug for Bucks County. I think that's the first time I've done it on this show, so I can get away with it. Well, it's a good <laughs> at one least for one of our meetings. Yeah, history plug. That's okay. Yeah, history history slash uh, Bucks County uh, libertarian plug. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so come down at um, seven o'clock if you're if you're here this in time and you're coming down to that one. Um. Anyway, I think I've about covered it um so thanks for thanks for doing this thanks for answering the fun question uh of course so why don't uh, i'll just ask you for how people can follow you and get involved in uh your campaign and everything that you're doing uh right now i'm on twitter at uh at caleb4pa you'll find me on there for my campaign twitter page uh, and facebook will be coming here soon i'm still working my stuff with uh Amy from the Mises Caucus uh, is going to finalize some endorsement stuff and get the other official page up and running here shortly. I'll be out at uh, Stravane Township polling place on May 16th for primary day. If anybody wants to stop out, meet me in the afternoon for that. Uh, I'll be there. Otherwise, you can find me on Facebook if you want to shoot me a message. I'm around. Uh, under your name, Caleb Shreve? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. It's sounds good. And we, yeah, we'll be in touch with you as well to try to figure out uh, what we can do on our end. If, if not myself, then one of our, one of our other organizers here. Uh, so um, I think that's it. So uh, Caleb and everyone else, keep an eye on the guests that we're going to have in the next few weeks. Cause I think we're going to, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, similar subjects related to what we discussed tonight as far as uh, local uh, legislative efforts that we can uh, push through um, one we're in office and talk about while we're on the campaign trail. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so and everyone until next week, don't forget to take you in action. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.